listeners and viewers, welcome to the latest episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I remain your host, Jason Johnson Yellen. That is Joshua Morrissey Hatton. Hello, Joshua Morrissey Hatton. I'm in the hizzy, as the kids say, Jason, and I'm really glad to be here. How was feedback from uh, that view we had for the last episode? (laughs) I think people just ignored that they're still they're still smarting from our last episode of one nation under whiskey where you wouldn't talk about indiana jones and they're concerned that your dedication (laughs) to this to this you know a franchise is is waning rather than waxing or just staying true so let me let me tell you my brother murray has been texting me on the reg to say, uh, yeah, have you seen it yet? 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 So Murray is carrying the indie banner for the boys, uh, for for the Johnston boys. Um, I will say in our house, we did watch uh, number four again the other week. Um, did you, Were your boys in trouble? Like, are you just, punishing just for, them? What's going on? Just for funsies. They didn't think they'd ever seen it. And then we started watching it and they said, oh, yeah, we have seen this. So that tells you everything you need to know about the fourth one. I've had a joke in the chamber since I saw this movie, and I can't tell the joke until you've watched it. So get on that. Well, it's not like you to sit on jokes for uh, for that long. I um, I will say we did uh, we covered uh, the unfortunate passing of Paul McDonough in the last extra extra. Yes. Uh, we yeah. have heard from his son Paul. Um, we'd also heard from Jens Fischer, and they both written in to say that uh, that he would have been 64 on his birthday. Our thoughts are with uh, Paul McDonough, the entire McDonough family, uh, all the regulars of the Bon Accord, the people of Glasgow, uh, on the day this episode drops. Sorry we cannot be there in person to pay our respects, but we certainly put our respects into the last episode and here we are circling back with numerical corrections as well. Um, to Paul. So, so, yeah, so there we go. And uh, and we will be in the bond lifting a glass later this year as well, putting some money in the till. That's how to pay your respects for real. There you go. Literally and mm-hmm. figuratively. So so there you go. So, yeah, so, so f- for anybody who wanted to read Paul's extended comment, uh, on the passing of his father, please go back to the last episode of Extra Extra on YouTube. And uh, there's a very lengthy comment there from, from the younger Paul. So, there you go. With that said, and, and we did, we did get some messages about other people remembering Paul as well. Um, and we will uh, maybe throw them into a One Nation Under Whiskey so we can get a bit more room to talk about them as well. Maybe circle back to Paul's comment there as well and uh, and really, really stretch our, our legs on remembering Paul there. Today, uh, we are dashing on into a topic. Well, let me, let me say this. Every episode, extra, extra, Josh and I get together, discuss a whiskey-related news story uh, from across the industry. And we cover it, we riff on it, we have a chitty-chatty, and uh, and invariably comments come in. This time around, this was all the talk of the town. Uh, This news broke on July 24, which was the Monday. It had originally been posted on the 
third. But uh, but we all got to talking about it on the Monday. And I spoke with you about it the Monday morning. Mm -hmm. I spoke with Jess about it on the Tuesday morning. I discussed it with Ollie on the Thursday afternoon. I discussed it with the non-industry friend on the Friday. And here we are the following Monday making it the focus of Extra Extra. Uh, you know, numerous, numerous people. David Feldner wrote in. Um, uh, Pincus King uh, wrote, wrote, wrote in. Tom Tadelka wrote in. There, there are many people we are missing uh, who wrote in with this as well. There was never a doubt that today's episode was going to be about Gordon, Gordon McPhail moving away from independent bottling, which we will we will cover over the course of today. Um, that this really boils down to them no longer purchasing new make spirit. They are ending their filling contracts and at a point in the future will focus on releases from Ben Romack and the Cairn, mm -hmm. which either has only just started distilling or is just about to start distilling. Um, I did speak to somebody who had been there not that long ago, and the distilling equipment had not yet been uh, completed, combined, built, made operational. And then you go through all your testing, like and all, all your test runs. Like you don't just plug it in on one day and start filling casts on the next. Like there is a, a significant process uh, to go through here. Yeah, I I was convinced that they had started running Spirit, but now I remember there's another story that I wanted to tell you while while we were away, me traveling, you traveling. I had a dream that the Cairn had started running Spirit. This was before the announcement. It was just right. a dream that yes. <laughs> Yes, that I was talking with, uh, you know, with Richard and, and his brother and they were had just turned on the taps. And no, it was all a dream. I don't <laughs> I don't know if the spirit's running, but it just goes to show you wh where my brain is at. Uh, I'm dreaming wow. about distilleries starting to run spirit. So, so that was in, in June when, or June into July when we were both out and about one and then the next? It is. I had that dream while I was in New Mexico and the time when I was meant to be forgetting about work and industry, I'm like ah, night, night, the Karen is running spirit. No, I don't think they are. I'm just dreaming. Wow. Okay. So, so into, into this topic, uh, obviously Herald Scotland broke the news on the 23rd mm -hmm. of July. Um, we also did receive a link to the whiskey magazine article and the, the quotes and the, the content for today is being pulled from Whiskey Magazine. Uh, we will give the props to Bethany Weimark in Whiskey Magazine, who, who posted her article on the 24th of July. And in that article, they actually say they spoke directly to you in Macintosh. Yeah. So it, it's not just a quoted press release, um, unless it is. Um, but it, it seemed to be suggesting that they had spoken uh, with you and Macintosh in a separate interview and asked some questions and got some answers. So, so I thought that was worth covering today. So, yeah. so 
The question, Joshua, and we'll get to quotes in due course, but obviously this was the talk of the town on the 24th. And mm-hmm. you and I, with it being a Monday, have a, an early morning meeting. And this is how we started our early morning meeting. What did you think when you first heard the news? And and how how did you first hear the news? I first heard the news. I, I think people people were just sharing the link left and right, right? I, I shouldn't say this too loudly, but typically when I wake up, I grab my phone and and I'm on Facebook, not because I want to see what people are doing on Facebook. I like to see my memories and pictures of my kids. And it's just a nice little reminder. And then you see the notifications and, and then it just started popping up. Um, and the first notification that came up was actually through David Stirk. Hmm. And mm-hmm. any, anybody who knows David Stirk, if you're friendly with him on Facebook uh, or not, maybe just follow him on Facebook. I think he had a <laughs> lot of, I mean, he had a lot of very interesting things to say, a lot of interesting points. I'm not going to quote them here, but, you know, David is a very opinionated man, but I think he's, uh, his thoughts are well-reasoned on, on what's going on with, with Gordon McPhail. And throughout the day, he was posting updates and additional thoughts and really invited some some good conversation so so it's really through david stirk and just me sort of waking up and, and looking at my facebook feed did you did you think you would see the day that you would read a headline announcing uh, garden mcphail leaving independent bottling behind no i i didn't ex- ever expect to see anything <laughs> like that however I think the reasons behind they, you know, their announcement or, or this pulling back of, of uh, you know, from New Make Spirits and pulling back from their contracts, I should say, um, like the industry has had have, ugh, I can't speak English today. The industry has had ebbs and flows generation after generation after generation. And... Mm-hmm. I feel as if we are at that point where, and right, Mark Watt has talked about this a, a number of times where it's in times of boom, the independent bottler is the thorn in the side of the distillers, of the actual people making the liquid. Mm-hmm. And in times of bust, we are their best friends because we're keeping them alive. We're buying the liquid, we're laying down liquid, what have you. And as we, as we continue to read stories about the potential of South Asia opening up and in parts of China opening up to, to expand the footprint of Scotch whiskey, you know, this, they're trying to bring tariffs down to put more liquid into those, into those countries. You can understand why some of these larger players like the Diageos and Perno Ricards of the world want to hold their liquid back for that potential. But what it does Obviously, to small players like us, but you know, here we are talking about this <laughs> announcement, even to like the biggest independent brand there is, it's affecting them. So it doesn't surprise me that they're that they've made this announcement, especially seeing as they now have two distilleries that they can put a bit of focus on. Mm-hmm. So so I I'm not surprised by the reasons for it. 
I'm just surprised by the announcement of it. There you go. Yeah, and one of the things you and I talked about, and and I I think you set us up very nicely for our first quote here, but from Whiskey Magazine, but we're not not there just yet. Sure. But one of the things you and I, and then with Jess, and then with Ollie, mm-hmm. uh, and then with you know my friend who's who's not in the industry as well, there's there's a little bit of the Gordon and McPhail have have left independent bottling, right? And that, yeah. that's not true, right? That's not the announcement. The, the announcement is they've given up their new fill contracts and they say they've given them up going forward. Mm-hmm. It's also clear they're not buying from the broker, the open brokerage markets, right? Yeah. They they really do like to fill and then put in warehouse and then watch. So, so the fact that they've ended those contracts, but they're still going to be releasing, right? And th- there's at yeah. least there's at least 12 years of Gordon McPhail independent bottlings are going to happen because that's the point at which they're saying the cairn will come online with a 12-year-old and we're not releasing the cairn before it's 12. So there's, a, there's at least 12 years that they're doing this. There could also be 15 and 18 and 25 and 30, right? Yeah. There are still going to be Gordon McPhail independent bottlings on the market. Right. And it's, I mean, this is the interesting thing about Gordon McPhail is their, the route to market with independent bottlings goes across a number of different styles of bottling independently Mm -hmm. where you've got Mm -hmm. single casks or you've got some small batches, but you've Mm -hmm. also got their, their own labels, right? The Linkwood labels and the Imperial labels and the Glenn Talker labels and, and so on. And so, you know, I had heard, and, and, and granted this is from a mutual friend, um, not directly in the whiskey industry, but spoke with someone at Gordon McPhail. And they talked about the idea that, you know, maybe for 15, 30 years, you won't see a change at all with Gordon McPhail happening, period. It just will look normal. But then there will be a change that will be noticed. But then for another 70 to 80 years thereafter, we will continue doing what we had been doing for some of our other lines, which talks about the sheer quantity of casks that are under their store. Like, like it's clear they're, what they hold is massive, but apparently they still want to focus on their two distilleries, which, which makes sense, right? And my comment when I had the conversation with my friend, just really quickly, before I got into the whiskey world, I was in the manufacturing world. And at the end of the day, whiskey is a product that's manufactured in a facility, in a, in a, in a, in a place of work with machinery. And what does any manufacturing facility want to do to ensure they're in control of everything and keep costs down and so on and so forth is to be vertically integrated because you can, you know, you can control what you own. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that from a manufacturing perspective, it's clear, like it's an obvious decision. Um, Yeah. So, so, so put a pin in that because I want to return to almost 
that exact question, but certainly this part of the topic. Mm. For the moment, I, I think we've still got that nice into, uh, you know, coding Whiskey Magazine. Uh, the change in direction was a natural evolution for the company, precipitated in part by a tightening of new make spirit supply and the increasing availability of bottlings from lesser known distilleries that traditionally did not bottle their own single malts. I want to come back to the first part of that, right? This natural evolution uh, for the company. There, there was, there's, there was talk that, you know, came about in 1993. They purchased the Ben Romick distillery that had been shuttered since 1983 and then Spirit started running again in 1998. Mm. But when they made that acquisition, it was partly with supply in mind. And and you you and I experienced this as independent bottlers where when we had started, you could get in with money. You could buy casks for independent sure. bottling. Yeah. And then there was a little bit of, well, you could swap casks. <laughs> and, if, yeah. and if you were sitting on casks, you could use those to gain casks that you didn't otherwise have. Yeah. Uh, and even recently, we, we had uh, a producer talk uh, cask swap with us as well. Sure. Yep. And, and it was pretty clear that if you were an independent bottler with a distillery, you had supply in control. Right, you were you were part of that game, and it's it's been interesting that as we have talked about, you know, the the ever burgeoning nature, the 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 increased global demand surrounding whiskey, even having spirit to swap, or even going in asking for new make spirit that gets covered under an annual budget. Okay, how much new make spirit are you going mm. to require next year? We will make sure that is produced for you. Yeah, yep. Even that tightening now really shows where we are in 2023 with the demands that are being made upon producers. And when you're a producer, you want as much control over that product that you are going to put into burgeoning global markets. Yeah. And when you have to look back over your ledger and say, we're missing stock here, missing stock here, <laughs> because we yeah. sold that new make as new make to an independent bottler, the higher ups don't look upon that favorably, right? That is missing money if you cannot fulfill the demands that are being placed upon you globally. Yes. However, I, I think it's fair to point out that a number of the distilleries that are available now, granted, I, I'm talking bigger picture. I'm not talking specifically Gordon McPhail and what sort of contracts that they had in place. I, I don't know what contracts they had in place beyond the ones that would supply their own labels, right? Like they had a more, they have a Mortlock label. They have a Linkwood label. It's obvious they've got a Diageo contract. 
But let's just assume that that Adiagio contract extends to a Bacardi contract, extends to a Pernod Ricard contract, extends to a Remy contract, etc. Right? These are all publicly held companies mm-hmm. that need I know where to you're make going. money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know where you're going, and you would you would hope that in times when these companies need to make their numbers so they can show their shareholders that profit is being made, they're going to offload some casks, right? We, we've seen this within the industry. And then in times when it's a bit more boomy and there's a chance to, to not just sell more whiskey, but to grow your brand in other markets, which is what we're seeing now, the hope is that the higher-ups are not necessarily looking at this like crap you guys weren't doing your job more they're looking at this as all right that's what happened there what can we do to overcome that because they they should be able to see that there are very conscious decisions being made to ensure that people remain employed distilleries remain opened and shareholders remain happy Right. <laughs> which I think speaks to the boom and bust nature of the business, which is you hedge your bets on what's coming down the line and you plan accordingly. If the thing you're expecting down the line doesn't happen, you may have more or less liquid on your hands in the future based on what happened along that road and based what ha- based upon what happened with that prediction. Like do you, do you remember a few years ago, even you know, pre-pandemic, where we, we reached a point where there was no 10-year-old, you know, almost no distillery had 10-year-old spirit for sale. Um yeah. they had just been caught short. Like yeah. with all their global project pr- pr- that was projections and predictions combined into a single word. <laughs> <laughs> well done, you. Well done. <laughs> it did, did, did not work. Did not work. The weird um, portmanteau, but there you go. <laughs> and, and, it, and it just kind of, it just, you know, you know, the demand caught them short. Then, and I know you and I have talked about this as well, you've then got countries where demand was expected, where things have gone a different direction, right? Russia as one of the BRIC countries, right? Mm-hmm. Russia now is off radars, right? It's now the big countries. It's not big yeah. countries. Uh, it's Brazil, India, China. And so, you know, ordinarily, I think, one man's opinion with a podcast and a YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> you know, one uh, man's very loud opinion, yes. You know, <laughs> as we keep watching India, it's going to be interesting if India hits then everything currently being produced and all the new make filling contracts that are getting tighter um, will have all been successful. And if India doesn't hit, there is going to be an absolute loch of whiskey available for sale. And we may have seen things like this happen in the past. So, you know, and, and so I, again, right, I'm, I'm once again teasing this comment that I'm going to make a little bit later, which which 
feeds right back into this Gordon McPhail. But just as I'm talking about the acquisition of Ben Romick in 93, I did want to add a quote here that we don't have written down. It's a bit lengthy. But this quote comes from um, the, the Whiskey Magazine article. So so this is Ewan McIntosh, the outgoing general manager uh, mm-hmm. for Gordon McPhail. He says, ultimately, uh, that came, so this kind of buying a distillery, uh, came to fruition in 1993 with the purchasing of Ben Romick. But that was about security of supply. That was always the challenge that we found, both as a licensed bottler in the early days and as an independent bottler in later times, was security of supply. A lot of these agreements for whiskey supply were gentlemen's agreements. There were very few formal arrangements. And once again, Joshua, that's the only way you and I have operated within this business, right? It's all been on the back of of handshakes. And it was one of the things I loved the absolute most about this industry was, yeah, we'll we'll take care of that. Another great example that just jumps into mind is when we spoke to Cara Lang. And Cara was talking about Diageo honoring the handshake agreement that her grandfather had with Talisker. Mm -hmm. I remember that, yeah. And Douglas Lang continued to receive Talisker. (laughs) I'm being careful because... who knows what's happening behind the scenes, right? I'm not privy to any backroom conversations at Douglas Lang. But when we spoke to Cara, it was still the case that Diageo were honoring that handshake mm. agreement of her grandfather. And I thought that was so cool. Just so very, very cool. Does Are it continue you, is the question. Right? I mean... It's 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 one of those it's one of those sad things, right? It's you know this idea of a, of a of gentle a gentleman's hand handshake. I, I I don't know if there's like a modern day gender neutral version of that, mm-hmm. so we're just going to go with that, right? The gentleman's handshake, which, like you had said, it's not just small companies like us that have these agreements, but huge companies like like Gordon McPhail and. Uh, you know, seeing those go away is uh, it is it's a bit of a sad thing. It's more than a bit of a sad thing because you know it's I don't know. I, I'm still I'm still trying to parse my thoughts around that. It, uh, here here's what I'll say, really quickly. It reminds me of again back to my previous job where when I was in manufacturing and they would have Christmas parties and at the Christmas party. The company would host, they would have champagne and they'd have wine and they'd have all these things. And then one person does something stupid and then they take it away. Right? You take one photograph of your arse on a Xerox machine and nobody gets champagne anymore. (laughs) But like that incident happened the year before I had started with them. And then I couldn't enjoy that anymore. And I feel as if that's sort of a similar thing here. It's like there used to be this great thing that everybody participated in. You just you just did it, right? That was business. <laughs> and now it's going away. And that's, you know, does that handshake mean anything anymore to some people? And that's, that's, just, that's a sad thing to me. I agree. Uh, no, I, yeah. I absolutely agree with you. You know, not, not to talk 
too much about anyone's business, but I don't no. think there's been been any any secret about Cull Holman having to source empty ex bourbon casks from somebody else. That was all built on the back of a handshake, which was a, mm-hmm. a wonderful, wonderful thing that we talked about a lot when we first bottled Cull Holman. We walked around pouring yeah. it. Uh, we all, we, you know, we talked about the handshake agreement that was getting them, you know, one particular uh, bourbon. So. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate if it changes. Speaking of changing, Joshua, we have a we have a quote in the chamber yeah. from you and Macintosh, uh, who says we're not buying whiskey on the mature market and the brokers market. We want new fillings, and so our access to fillings has changed as distillery owners have changed their strategy for their brands. And that's completely understandable. We completely accept that. So, you know, you, you know. Again, this is all building to the comment I'm going to make in a little bit. But you, you know, you don't want to say anything about the people you've had these long-standing no, relationships with, yeah, right? There's always been an understanding within independent bottling that we operate at the pleasure of the big brands. You know, we require the big brands selling to us or the big brands selling parcels to brokers who break it down and sell it on to us. Like, we understand our our place as an independent bottler in this chain of command. But the brokerage, and you and I have talked about this in, in other episodes of Extra Extra, the brokerage model is currently broken for, for, you know, a couple of reasons. But but one clear and distinct reason is cask investment. Yeah, everybody thinks the cask is worth more than it is. At the end of the day, it's aged whiskey sitting in a wooden cask that still needs to be bottled and labeled and exported and imported and distributed and sold to consumers. Like it's <laughs> it's never been about just whiskey in a cask. And it continues to not be just about whiskey in a cask. There's an entire multi-layered, dare I say, multi-tiered system. Ooh, look at you. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And, and and all that has to be taken into consideration. So when you've got Gordon McPhail, obviously with tremendous history and, and tremendous success in, in their new make contracts. Mm-hmm. But when you've got them saying, without these new make contracts, we don't have another option to acquire casks. Well, yes, it just really quickly as you're just thinking of 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 Ewan's comment before about brands changing how they think about the, the you know changing the strategy for their own brands. Mm-hmm. The only Mortlocks anybody could get was either through some sort of independent bottling from various independent bottlers or the Mortluck label, which looks like a distillery owned label, but it was a Gordon McPhail label. And Diageo is now a few years into releasing Mortluck as, as a standalone single malt. So yes, it, it's their brand. They're free to do with it, whatever they want. And your point is a clear one, right? We, if they say they can sell to us and we're helping them by buying from them, awesome. That's the way the relationship has worked. And when it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And we just wait by the sidelines until they need it to work again. And we say, 
let, let's do this. Cause someone had asked me, um, you know, what if, what if India doesn't happen and the distilleries come back and say, sorry, we didn't mean that here, uh, here's some whiskey for you. Will, you know, will Gordon McPhail and some of these other ones who, who have either lost or decided to no longer keep their, their fill contracts, will they say, well, before you told us, screw you. So we're going to say, screw you to you. And yeah. I said, no, I, <laughs> like history shows that's not what has ever happened. But we also need yeah. to remember like Scott's people help Scott's people. Like it's sort of understood if, if a distillery is on its, on its ass because it needs help. Well, the players are going to, join together and, and help out. And it's, it's, it's the industry helping the industry. And we get that there are changes. We just roll with them as the very best we can. Yeah. I, I would like that to be true. I think we've got a, a rich history of, of distillery closures, you know, yeah. that, that oh, I feel like yeah. once, once a distillery, is on the bones of its arse, it's very hard to bring it back from that brink. And and sometimes I wonder if it's actually better to just have it shuttered, let it sit on the sidelines for a while, and then bring it back to life again. And and I think Ben Romick is a is an example of that. You know, I'm I'm sitting here with the, the Ben Romick uh, 10 in, in my glass. So uh, you know, this is this is what's being poured, um, but but I think that's an example of that. No, that's <laughs> that, that's good. I shouldn't have said on, on on the bones of its ass. Like, I, I think I was tr I think I was being a bit dramatic. Just like when they need help, it doesn't have but, to but, be on the bones of their ass, but when they need help. But I think what troubles me about the larger statement is I I don't know if. You know, and, and you quoted Mark Watt to begin the episode. I don't think producers look at independent bottlers the same way independent bottlers look at producers, mm. right? Mm -hmm. If if you're an independent bottler going through tough times, as a lot of independent bottlers are going through right now, as we have just heard from Gordon and McPhail, arguably the most successful independent bottler of the bunch, are the producers kind of like, well, I tell you what, we will take care of you. I tell you what, we will help you out. I tell you what, we will fill some casks for you, right? What do they say? Well, maybe not 24, but circle back in 25, you know? Oh, that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah, the yeah. door that's left open if you're a producer. And the producer may very well say, no again in 25. So, you know, you know if your comment is true, I wish it went in both directions. And I, and I it, do and wish... You know, I, you know, yeah. so, some producers, some distillery managers, some individuals with whom we've spoken, absolutely get the value of independent bottling. They absolutely mm -hmm. see what an independently bottled cask of their liquid can do for their distillery, for their reputation, mm -hmm. and that's that's wonderful and fantastic and excellent and to be celebrated. But you also talked earlier about shareholders. And I don't think shareholders give two shits about the independent bottlers who are serviced by their conglomerate, right? It's yeah. it's it is a bottom line business on that side of things. Yep. Yeah. No. I I, I think I think we are for the most part in agreement here. No doubt about it. So so the article concludes. 
with with something pretty useful in it. And I know this was this resonated with you, Joshua. So I'll let you present this point uh, from yeah, the article. Sure. sure. And this this was a again a quote from Ewan McIntosh. And he says, We recognize that this is a significant decision decision which to the whiskey drinking world comes as a bit of a surprise, he said. <laughs> this is a decision that is very much a positive one for the business. It means that we're focused on the ben on Benromach and the Cairn and anything else we decide to do later down the track where we control our own destiny. And here's the key, but Gordon McPhail whiskeys will be part of our business for the next 100 years. Right. Right. And and that's <laughs> right. I guess they got a few casks and yeah. In the house. Wait a second. I th I thought God <laughs> feel we're gonna stop independent bottling. Is, aren't those the headlines we've been reading? And this and this is the this is the problem. And I'm glad you actually had me change the header of this of this episode because the headline said Gordon McPhail stop independent bottlings. And that yeah. is not accurate this is why we cannot just read headlines and move on with our day we got to yeah. read discuss learn it is it's true it's true um i i'm getting closer to the to the point where i feel okay bringing out the point that i've been leading to this whole episode mm -hmm. which is if you're gordon mcphail and you accept that you're moving away from new make fill contracts in 2024 mm -hmm. and you say we're going to focus on what's already in our warehouse for the next 10 to 15 years until we have Ben Romack and the Cairn and we can control our own destiny. Mm. As you've pointed out, and I've agreed with you in this episode, this industry is, is a series of peaks and troughs and roundabouts, right, where history mm -hmm. repeats itself mm -hmm. to the person that you quoted who said, well, what happens if India doesn't hit? I am surprised that Gordon McPhail have made a statement about their operations over the next 10 to 15 years, where five years from now, there could be a whole bunch of cheap casks floating around the market. 10 years from now, 12 years, 15 years from now, a whole bunch of cheap casks could be floating around the market. Why, why do you think they made a strong statement about the next 10 to 15 years when this industry could change in the next five or 10 quite easily? Yeah, right. It's, it's kind of like... Uh... <laughs> it's the declarative statements that you always warn me against. Right, right. Uh, and that you refuse to make yourself. Yeah, you, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've thought about this, right? And, and people have asked me about this. Um, I mean, the, the, so two things. I'll answer your question in a second. But first and foremost, if India doesn't hit, if there happens to be a ton of new make spirit available or less expensive casks available as an independent company, they're well within their rights to say, 
you know what, we're, we're looking to expand our business by doing X, Y, and Z. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yep. Uh, if, if it goes even further and we run into a situation that looks very much like the eighties where some distilleries needed help and those that didn't get the help they needed shuttered, uh, you know, Gordon McPhail could 100% be the hero and say, look, you know, we're, 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 we're looking to, to help out here. Right. Gordon um, McPhail returns to independent bottling. Right? <laughs> and um, then in the subheading, although they never really left. Why make such a declarative statement? Well, I mean, they could. If they have, <laughs> if they have, listen, if they have enough stock that will cover them for a hundred years, just the independent bottling segment of their business alone, why not make a declarative statement? Like you're not getting hurt. You're, you're, <laughs> if anything, the value of the stock in your warehouse has increased and will only, cause you're like, that's when's the next time we're gonna see another Gordon McPhail so-and-so, right? So, so there's, there's that. Um, but here's the thing. They own two distilleries now, one they purchased, one they built. Who knows what that, what other distilleries they could do with, with more distilleries and, and them running their own spirit. Who knows what blend they can come out with, right? I mean, there's there's all different routes to people's wallets through the whiskey that you make. And it doesn't have to be the one that they had traditionally done for the, you know, since 1895. Um, there, there are other ways to market. And maybe they want to be a distillery owner. Maybe they want to be in the leagues of your Perno Ricards and your Bacardis and, and so on. You know, it's... It's it's a time may tell kind of a thing, and they can make this sort of statement simply because they've got enough runway to allow them to do so. Yeah, I, I think all of that's that's spot on. I I also think this is a very successful statement about Ben Romack and the Cairn. Oh if yeah, you come out and make a statement about Ben Romack and the Cairn. Maybe we don't get any emails about that. Maybe we're not sitting here talking about it on extra extra, right? Yeah. You say Gordon McPhail Independent Bottler is making a gargantuan change to how they do business. The emails come in, the Facebook comments come in. <laughs> Friends who drink whiskey but are not in the industry want to ask questions about it, right? It has been hugely successful in getting us to talk about Ben Romack. <laughs> Hell, I'm drinking Ben Romack, right? right? It's been hugely successful to get us on Ben Romack and the Cairn. And the Cairn is either newly producing liquid or is yet to produce liquid. And yet here we are covering this on Extra Extra. So I think it's incredibly savvy from that end of things. And, 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 and what you said may still end up being true. They might want to be in the distillery business. They might want mm -hmm. to be a Pernod Ricard and Edrington. That may very well be true. We are sitting here talking about the two distilleries they have. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see, especially when I think about 
what actually sells within the whiskey world. I mean, it, we're still at around 86 to 88% of all Scotch whiskey sales being blends. There's, there's room in the whiskey world for that business, especially in markets like India where blends are right. The, the, the most important prestigious Scotch whiskey in India is Johnny Walker Black, right? It's a blend. It makes sense, right? So, right, watch and see, watch and see. Yep, yep. Yeah, one of the things I did say privately to somebody was, I, I wonder if Gordon McPhail makes a move on an Isla distillery. I, I wonder if Gordon McPhail joins the, you know, the, the multiple groups that are building in Campbelltown. I wonder if they move up you know, the, the peninsula and we get someone else near Ardnamark. And, you know, I, I, I wonder what the future holds is, mm. is kind of the long and the short of that statement. So um, time will tell. And um, if you want to be like the numerous people who wrote in, uh, you can either drop a note to info at singlecastnation.com or questions at one nation under whiskey.com. Uh, no E in whiskey on that one. Uh, we do still have the, the, the Facebook page for uh, the private members of single cast nation mm -hmm. and a lot of chat goes on in there you know whiskey chat doesn't just have to be single cast nation focused and um you know uh, that was a lot of fun we knew from the moment that broke that was going to be the next extra extra when the time came so we have done our due diligence we and have. we have drunk been wrong. i just want to say one more thing before we get out of here and I, I forgot to say earlier we always get out of here in a tight 35 so hopefully the clock on the wall is is pointing to a tight 35. It's been uh, held at 35 for 10 yeah. minutes now. But here we Very are. Very good. Very good. <laughs> I just want to give some props out to, to Anthony Levinson, who's the spirit buyer at Roma. And uh, you and I always talk about bottles that should be on one's shelf. And and Anthony's opinion is Ben Roma 10 uh, should always be on someone's shelf. And in New York, it's $48 a bottle. And so That's you'll impressive. go forth. Uh, make purchases here. We have been sitting here talking about Ben Romick today and uh, I've been drinking it. It's a little bit malty. It's a little bit peaty. Um, it's soft. It's easy. Um, as you can tell, it's not one that I reach for, but it's certainly one that's easy to pour for somebody walking in a door um, and welcoming to your house. I will do the opposite of welcoming to one's house. I will say thank you for joining Joshua Morrissey-Hatton and Jason Johnson-Yellen today. And as we have been in the habit of saying, peace. Peace. You forgot to tell our viewers and listeners you need to smash the subscribe button below. Smash it. Yeah, no peace. Bring no peace to the no subscribe peace. button. World peace. But on top of that, apparently there's like a little bell you're meant mm -hmm. to ring below the mm -hmm. video. And that'll mm -hmm. notify you when a new video comes to the fore because because again we we mentioned this previously we may be doing we're trying to do more with youtube we may be doing some live tastings there things like that so we'll see as we as we're planning things out so just smash the subscribe button ding the little bell get notified tell your friends tell your loved ones tell your enemies um now can we say peace it's hard not to quote Mike Barbigli on that one. It's such a good line. Yes. Peace and out of here. Peace. Peace.